Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to episode 68 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. This episode is the first of, we don't know how many, but our special World Cup podcasts. And this one has very much a Vancouver Whitecaps feel to it. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been catching up with a number of the Whitecaps players just to get their favourite World Cup moments and memories and how they feel their countries are going to do over in Brazil this year. So we're going to hear from Iran's Stephen Betashur, who did a conference call with media in Vancouver on Thursday. And we're going to play you the, the best and most interesting bits from that. We're also going to hear from Gershon Kofi, who's going to talk about Ghana's chances this year. And of course, Ghana are in America's group. So the flip side of that, we're going to speak to an American just for equal balance in the podcast. So we're going to get Eric Hurtado's thoughts on the States, what it would mean to him to play in a World Cup. And what his earliest memory is for for a World Cup, because he's just a young whippersnapper himself. And we're also going to hear from Pedro Morales, a translated interview that we did just before the World Cup break. He's going to talk about Chile's chances and just some of his favourite Chilean memories and how he came close to, to playing in the last World Cup for Chile. We have some other audio from players and management recorded as well, but we did those for a feature on MLS Soccer. Uh, We're not sure if they're going to be used or not, so we're kind of checking that out. If not, you'll hear them in a future episode of the podcast. We're also going to get some of my views on the World Cup and some of my favourite memories from years gone by, and AFTN writer Jay Duke is also going to share some of his. So enough of my waffling and introduction, let's just get into the thick of the action. So the World Cup kicked off today, Thursday. Bit of an anti-climax in the end. It wasn't a fantastic opening game. There's been some really great ones over the years. My favourite will, I think, always be, or it will take some beating anyway, but my, my favourite one is the 1990 Argentina-Cameroon, where Cameroon shocked the World Cup holders and just kicked lumps out of them in the process. It, it was a fantastic game. I'd kind of fallen in love with Cameroon during the 1982 World Cup. I bought a top for that year that completely cemented my my love for the Indomitable Lions. And they're actually the the team that I'm cheering on this year. I've been trying like mad to to find a sports shop in the States where 
where we've been for the last couple of weeks that, that's selling a Cameroon home top, but no luck so far. So I think we're going to end up doing that through eBay or some cheap online thing. But that's that's my team that I'm cheering on this year. They get underway on Friday, of course, and may have played by the time that you've listened to this podcast. And of course, they're in Group A with Brazil. And Brazil kicked things off today with a 3-1 win over Croatia. Like we say, not a fantastic game. It was a good first half. I enjoyed the opening stages of the first half. Teams went in level at the break. Just don't know what happened with the halftime team talks. It's just the, the second half just was, was not good at all. And of course, we've already had our first hugely controversial moment of, of this year's tournament with the penalty that never was, but was given anyway. Is this what it's going to be like? Are Brazil going to be getting all these favours to, to win this thing? Let's hope not, but I think what this game did show is that Brazil are vulnerable. Their their defence looks decidedly dodgy. Obviously, it's their first match. It's going to be nerves. The whole nation's watching. The whole world is watching. So they're a little bit nervous. They might not play as bad as that for the rest of the tournament. But Croatia certainly had them stretched. They certainly could have done a lot more damage. And it was great when they took the lead. I thought shock was on. It just wasn't to be. And Croatia will feel really hard done by in the end. But for, for the rest of the teams in the group, like Cameroon, a Brazil win is what everyone wanted because it's going to make the, the battle for the rest a, a lot more tough. And I think an, an interesting thing to, to come out of this, just reading a, a lot of this stuff, is there seems to be a feeling that if Brazil do not do well in this tournament or if they lose a game or just play badly or something, that it, it's going to be a trigger for a lot of social unrest, more demonstrations, riots. And that's kind of that's a scary thought and it's a big burden for, for these guys to, to kind of carry on their shoulders. And... It's definitely something that, that we're going to have to keep an eye on and hopefully it's it's not going to be one of the big talking points from this tournament. So amazing stats to, to come out of the game today. The fact that Brazil have not lost a competitive home match since 1975. I mean, that's just staggering and it, it's definitely one of the reasons why a lot of people have Brazil as, as favourites to, to win this tournament. They didn't look unbeatable today. And I think it's going to give a lot of the other teams hope, and but we'll just see how, how that plays out. Now, next up for Brazil are Mexico, and then next up for Croatia are Cameroon in a game that could really shape how Group A plays out. Now, I've spoken about my love for Cameroon. One of the other African countries in this year's World Cup is Nigeria. They're in Group F, along with Iran. And of course, everyone associated with Vancouver Whitecaps is going to be keeping a close eye on Iran this year because our very own Stephen Betashur is down in Brazil with the Iranian team. And he's just loving every minute of it so far. A lot of hard work, he says, but he's just really making the most of his opportunity. Now, Stephen took part in a conference call with media on Thursday afternoon. So we're going to play a little bit of that now. It's just some of the most interesting bits. And just Stephen really just encapsulating what it's like to be down there as a player. So here's Stephen Bettershore. But uh, but yeah, uh, I think I think a few days later, you 
know, as we got closer, and especially when we landed in Brazil, uh, everything really hit me. And I, I told them yesterday, um, I told Farhan yesterday that when we were about to land in Brazil, you know, just seeing the country um, right before we landed, that that feeling right there was just I'll, I'll never forget. And um, it's really exciting. It's been great um, every day since we've been here, and uh, I'm excited for the 16th to come up. And just quickly, uh, thoughts on how preparations have been going so far? Yeah, I think preparation has been going well so far. Um, I think right now we're just focused on the Nigeria game. Um, you know, anyone in the reason you'll hear me say one game at a time, but, you know, that's how the coach is treating it as well. It's not just me saying it. Uh, right now we just, we're just doing everything in our power to, to really prepare tactically for them. Uh, you know, they're, they're a strong team, they're a fast team, they're a tall team. So uh, I think the coach has done a great job of preparing us for that. And, you know, every day that we train is, is just preparation for that first game. So everyone knows you want to start off on the right foot in the World Cup. So hopefully we can do that. Yeah, so obviously the, the game's just started today with Brazil and Croatia. It was, it was a great start. We didn't get to see any of the, the ceremony and anything with halftime show or anything, but we, we were able to to watch the game because we had practice ourselves but we were able to watch the game and it's exciting you know anytime you see something like that you see the crowd and the passion uh, especially being here um, you know beforehand with all the, all the fans and all the people in the streets wearing the Brazilian shirts and supporting their country it's definitely exciting and I'm sure that tomorrow and the day after that and then the day after that until our game uh, it's just going to be exciting uh, and fun to watch games and kind of, you know, you study at the same time because we're here to do a job. Uh, I think as far as our game coming up, we've done a great job preparing for it. Uh, you know, our, our last game was against Trinidad Tobago, which is similar style to how Nigeria is going to play, and I, I thought we executed really well. I thought we, you know, we played as a team, we, we were together, organized, and hopefully we can play that same way against Nigeria and get a good result. Steven, it's Simon Fudge from Club.com Canada. group that you're in, um, other than obviously Argentina, it looks like a group that gives you a great chance of being able to get to the knockout stages, um, particularly amongst yourselves, Bosnia and Nigeria. It obviously makes their, your first game against the Nigerians a very important one, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think uh, Argentina is the favorite um, amongst everybody you ask. And, you know, they, they do deserve it. They've, they've been a great team and um, you know, it's not just hype for nothing. So I think everyone expects that out of them. But uh, I definitely think you're right, and I think that the, the the second spot out of our group is is up for grabs, and we've got you know three hungry teams that are trying to win it. So that's why it's so important for that first game to start off on the right foot. Hi, Mark Weaver at the Province Newspaper. Thanks for doing this. You touched on it briefly, but I was just going to ask you that. You know, even Wayne Rooney made some comments uh, yesterday, I think, about regretting, you know, he didn't enjoy his, the last two World Cups and how he just wants to have fun at this one, you know, as well as as well as compete. I'm just wondering, as, as a guy in his first one, how do you balance that, uh, taking it all in and making sure you enjoy it, you know, with the seriousness of it? Have you, you know, how much have you thought about that and how do you kind of soak it all up? <sighs> to be honest, I don't know, because this is my first one, and then... I don't know what I should be expecting. Uh, I don't know if I'm having too much fun or not enough fun. I mean, right now, the way I carry myself is just I've, I've got a job to do, and I, I want to do it to the best of my abilities. So, I mean, I'm, I'm 
maybe too focused. I don't know. I'll be able to tell you, I guess, after the World Cup. <laughs> Stephen, it's Gary Kingston at the Sun again. Um, I just wanted to ask you, I read an interesting piece, I think it was on New York Times today, just about the send-off in Iran and, um, you know, how it was It was kind of muted, that there, there wasn't as many people as they had thought, and, and obviously the situation in Iran, they're... Um, you know they're, they're they're trying to downplay sort of celebrations in the, in the street. Uh, uh, what was from your perspective? What was the send off like in Iran when you guys left? Yeah, I mean we went to the Zadi Stadium, um, and I thought it was great. There was a lot of people there, and everyone was excited and you know ready for the World Cup to start, and uh, you know wishing us the best. So I mean I didn't say anything bad about it. Uh, you know there was. Nothing, nothing crazy that we did. They, we just went over there, and there was a stage for us, and we just went up and got the applause. And they individually introduced each one of us in our positions. Um, so, uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was good. We met uh, some some important leaders there, and you know, mm-hmm. shook everyone's hand, and and then you know, we the next morning we were off to Brazil. Hi, Stephen. It's Michael from MLSsoccer.com and AFTN. Um, I just wanted to ask you, now, you were originally called up to the American national team uh, in 2012, but you never you never got a cap. Have you had time to reflect how, how different things could have been if you had got on the pitch at that time? And what was behind your decision in the end to accept the call-up to Iran? Yeah, I don't think I've thought about it too much. I think uh, right now I'm, I'm with the Iranian national team and uh, all my focus and energy is going to them. And- uh, I don't want to kind of look look back at what if too much because then I'll get distracted and potentially not not play to my capabilities over here. So um, yeah, I'm just trying to stay real focused with uh, with mm-hmm. and, uh So behind the decision, it was kind of a long process. Um, I don't know if you know, but I've, I've mentioned before that in 2011, I I was contacted by the Iranian national team. And that was well before the U.S. national team, so it was a process that we were going through. And and the whole time I thought, okay, this is you know the national team I'm be playing for because they were so interested. Um, unfortunately, the, it took a while to get all the paperwork and to get back and forth. And you know they were they they just showed their interest in 2001 and said we're going to be watching you. And and so we started all the paperwork, and then all of a sudden I got a surprise call from the U.S. national team. So. It was, no paperwork that I had to go through. It was just, hey, do you want to? Would you accept our call? And I said, yeah. You know, this is national, international level, cool. at stage. Uh, of course, I'll accept the call. So um, it was one of those things that didn't get capped. And um, and you know, next year, Iranian team called me in, and I did get capped. So it wasn't necessarily my decision. It was more the the coach's decision uh, that they wanted to play me and. And yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Stephen Hayes, Mark again in the province. Um, we've we've read a little bit over here about uh, some of the plush accommodations for the big teams and, and how Iran is is stuck at, a, at an airport hotel that's in a neighborhood that's been described as gritty and other things. Can you just sort of give us a description of of your training camp surroundings and um, where you're staying? Yeah, man. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, that's what they were calling. I actually thought our hotel was really nice, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, we, we stay at the hotel. We have our training facilities um, at the Corinthians uh, Training Center. It's really nice. Um, I guess Ronaldo 
had it renovated in 2011, and I mean it's it's beautiful. It's real big. They got a ton of fields. They have nice uh, gaming area where you can play pool or ping pong or just watch TV. Uh, they have a nice scene over there. So most actually done over there. Uh, yesterday I was talking to Farhan and he asked what the city like. And I told him to be honest, I could tell you what the hotel is like and I could tell you what the field is like. That's that's all we really do. Uh, most people think we're on vacation, but uh, when I come to play soccer anywhere, even in the MLS, I'm, I'm there to to work and I could tell you what the hotels and the soccer field look like. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey Stephen, it's uh, Farhan here from the Whitecaps. Um, I guess my question for you is obviously a lot of us in Vancouver haven't seen the Iranian national team play, so. What kind of team are you guys? What can we expect from your guys' team? What? You haven't seen the Iranian national team play? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. We, we're, we're a good team. I think, uh, I think we're real organized defensively. Um, you know, if you look at other teams and you look at the individual players, they have definitely superstars. Uh, I don't necessarily know if we have superstars, but we definitely have a team. And anytime you have that, I'd say a team can beat individuals, and I think everybody would agree with that. So uh, I think our camaraderie is really building, like I mentioned earlier, and I think if we can take that to the first game and build momentum, I have pretty good faith in ourselves. Hi, Stephen. Uh, just, it's Michael again. Just uh, another quick one from me. Up until just now, like when you've been watching previous World Cups at home, what has been your favourite World Cup memory in the past, and what's the first World Cup that you actually remember watching at home? Um, I think the 98 World Cup with Brazil, you know, my favourite player being Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, I think that was really the first real memories I had of watching the World Cup, and I remember having the, the FIFA game, uh, World to World Cup 98, just everything about that year, I, I really remember about, you know, the Brazilian team. And uh, I actually just found out today they were showing off, obviously on the footage on TV, is all about the Brazilian team. Uh, 94 was Ronaldo's first World Cup, and his number was 20. And that's my number, and it's just crazy how something like that, coincidence, that would happen. Uh, I just think it's funny. But, yeah, uh, I think that was the first one, 98. That's great. Thanks, Stephen, and good luck. Thank you. So a very happy and excited Stephen Bettishure there, looking forward to his first experience of a World Cup match with Iran. And that game between Iran and Nigeria kicks off at noon on Monday. So we wish Stephen all the best for that. It's really going to be tough for Iran to, to try and get out of that group. I mean, you've got Argentina in it. They're definitely going to be the favourites. And they're, they're my tip to, to get to the final. I, I've been predicting a Brazil-Argentina final. Sticking with that just now, I, I, before the tournament I did think Brazil were going to win it, but I think Argentina could run them really close. I think off the top of my head that I had Argentina-Uruguay meeting in the semis. So I mean that that's definitely a tough route for Argentina. And they have got a tough group, but they should come through that quite comfortably. And as Stephen said there, that it really is kind of up for grabs as to who's going to get second place. You kind of have to think Bosnia are going to be the favourites in that group. 
they had a really strong qualifying campaign. But we've seen that before with a lot of the Eastern Europeans and Baltic teams. They do well in the European qualifying, but then when it gets to the big stage, they kind of choke a little bit and they they just don't rise to the occasion. We've seen it in recent years with Serbia. Will Bosnia go the same way or do they just have too much talent just now? I mean... It is a team of the generations for Bosnia. There's, there's probably not been a, as good a set of Bosnian players since the former Yugoslavia days. And they're going to be hopeful and expected, I think, to, to get that second place. But Iran have got a lot to play for. And the game on Monday is really going to shape their tournament, whether they're going to be there to, to try and be in the running for a place in the last 16 or not will be determined really by how well they do against Nigeria on Monday. So that was Group F. Let's keep our attention on the African teams and let's turn to Group G. And in Group G, which many people are saying is kind of the group of death, it's just such a tough group. I mean, you've got Germany, you've got Portugal, you've got the US and you've got Ghana. And again, a lot of people connected with the Whitecaps are going to be paying close attention to Ghana because of our very own Gershon Kofi. Gershon has played at youth level for Ghana and obviously people are hoping that he can get his Canadian citizenship and maybe put on the red and white jersey for for Canada and maybe get permission to, to play for Canada one day, maybe even at a World Cup. Gershon's a big lover of football. If anyone's talked to him, they'll know how passionate he is about the game. So we spoke to him in the build-up to the World Cup just to ask what he thought of Ghana's chances and, again, what it would mean to him to to play in our World Cup finals. Here's Gershon Kofi. Let's go! First thing, are you looking forward to the World Cup that's coming up? Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to watch. And how how do you think Ghana's going to do this year? They're in a really tough group beside Germany, America and Portugal. I think it's a tough group because like every Germany and Portugal, they wanted to be in the final. Ghana and US, they've been playing like the last two World Cups. And so they are like um, World Cup rivalry from, with Ghana and US. So it's going to be a tough game and uh, the rest are good teams too. Do, do you think, well, obviously the game against America is going to be the big one. Do you think Ghana's got a chance of, of qualifying from that group? Yeah, it depends on the first game. Uh, if you can, in every tournament, if you can win your first game, it, it gives you boost for the second game. But uh, yeah, hopefully Ghana win the first game and see what happens. Now, obviously there's a lot of American guys in the locker room. Are you going to have a little bit of friendly rivalry with them? Yeah, yeah, before the game. Uh, but we still, you know, we're a big family, so it's just a fun um, thing to do. What would it mean to you to play in a World Cup, either for Ghana or Canada? Who knows what's going to happen, but what would it mean to you to, to play at one of these events? And it's the, uh, every player's dream to play in the World Cup, so um, I've been looking forward to and though the day will come that I'll be playing. You just have to keep working, but it's a great, a great opportunity. And who's your tip to win the whole thing this year? My tip to win the whole thing, go for Ghana. That's great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gers. So Gershon Coffey there talking about Ghana's chances and the music you heard at the start is one of the official, I think, uh, Ghanaian World Cup songs. It's by an artist called Wiyala and it's called Go Go Black Stars Go! 
and you can actually download that for free from Yala's website. Have a look on YouTube for it as well and the links are there for the download. Now this is going to be a really tough World Cup for Ghana. Monday's game kicks off 3 o'clock so it's right after the Iran game for those of you that wanted to watch that and just have a wonderful Whitecaps related Monday of football and that is, that's really the make or break test for both sides. This has to be the game that Ghana really hope that they, they can get the win in and then just hope that they can get something from their other two games. And I, I think they will. I think they will get the win over the US. I personally don't think that the US are actually going to get a point in this year's World Cup. And I've been down in the States the last couple of weeks and when Jurgen Klinsmann made his comment the other day that he just doesn't feel that the US is good enough to win the competition, the commentators and the pundits down here, it's been hilarious to hear them because it's just it's the American way of you have to you have to go in having that hope, you have to have that chance that you're going to win it and they just can't accept that the coach is coming out and saying that he feels his team has got no chance of winning the thing. Now, come on, apart from the group that they're in being really tough, America does not have the talent or the quality at this point in time to go deep, deep in the World Cup and win the thing. So, I mean, he's being realistic. Why build up a nation's hopes to fall? I mean, I've been through that before in 1978 with Scotland, when Ali McLeod, before the players headed off to the World Cup in Argentina, he had the whole nation thinking that Scotland were going to win the World Cup. And there was a belief that they were going to go and do that. And they, they lost their first game to Peru. They drew their second game to Iran. And then, yes, they won their third game against Holland, but they lost out on goal difference. And it provided one of my favourite World Cup moments ever, Archie Gemmell's goal against Holland to, to give them a 3-1 lead. And we actually played the commentary of that in the introduction of this podcast. So I hope you enjoyed that. But Scotland flopped on that occasion and then they had to come back with their tails between their legs. So I think Jurgen Klinsmann is spot on not to build up his country's hopes. And people are saying, well, what are the players going to think? They're not going to think that that he, he has faith in them. Well, that should be a motivational tool for them to go out and prove their coach wrong. Um, if him saying that just puts them into their shell, then they shouldn't be on the world stage because they don't have the mental toughness for that. So, I mean, I think Jurgen Klinsmann was quite right in coming out to say that. And it's just been kind of laughable hearing some of the American reactions to that. But America are going to struggle. As I say, I don't think that they're going to get any, any points at all from this. But in the fairness factor and for a bit of balance, we, we heard from Gershon Kofi on Ghana's chances. So let's hear from one of the Whitecaps American players now, and we're going to hear from Eric Hurtado. So a young guy, he hasn't experienced too many World Cups, but we wanted to know what his earliest memory of the World Cup was, how he thinks America's going to do this year, and again, what it would mean to him to, to pull on an American jersey and play for his country in the World Cup finals. Here's Eric Hurtado. What 
What's the earliest World Cup memory, Eric, that, that you can kind of remember? I can remember um, I was young and I woke up to go to the bathroom and my dad was out there watching, watching the World Cup. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning and that's when the games would start, 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. And I just remember the whole rest of the World Cup, I would get up in the morning and watch games with him. What, what year would that be? I don't know. Um, I was maybe 6 or 7. So it's 90, 98. 98, so it'd be France. Yeah. 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 Um, what would it mean to you to, to get to get in the American national team and then actually play in, in a World Cup? That'd be amazing, you know, that's I feel like that's a dream that every soccer player has to represent their country at the World Cup and it's just honorable and prideful and that would be amazing. I mean the world that's my ultimate goal is I want to play in the World Cup for my national team. And are you looking forward to, to this year's World Cup? So what? Are you looking forward to the World Cup this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to watch the games. It's going to be fun. Who's your tip to win it? USA. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. USA. Cheers, man. So Eric Hurtado there talking about the US. And the music you heard in the lead-up to Eric there is what's being called the official, unofficial US anthem for this World Cup. I don't actually have who it's by, but it's called Red, White and Blue. So if you look for that on YouTube, it also features Alexi Lalas. So have a look for that. It's quite a fun track. Now, of course, the Whitecaps this season are a very international team. Carl Robinson has brought in a number of Latino players and added a little bit of Latino flair to the, the team to, to great success so far. One of those players, of course, is Pedro Morales. And the Chilean leads the Whitecaps just now in goals and assists. Now, depending on when you listen to this episode of the podcast, Chile might have played their first game or they might not. They play their first game against Australia on Friday afternoon, 3pm Pacific time. They're in a tough group. They're with Spain, the Netherlands and Australia. And like the other teams we've been talking about, you're kind of looking that they're going to be looking at a third place finish and it's going to be tough for them to, to get one of the top two spots. But Chile play some really nice football and they, they've entertained in the last few World Cups that they've been in. So we spoke to Pedro Morales just in the build-up to the Portland game. We wanted to, to know what he thought of Chile's chances, what some of his favourite World Cup memories have been in the past. And he also talked a little bit about how he came close to actually playing for Chile in the World Cup in 2010 down in South Africa. He, he was part of the squad and, and the build-up to it, but just didn't get the final selection to go. So we hear from Pedro Morales, and the music that we're, we're using for that as well is called Vamos Chile. And it's actually a song recorded by the brother of the president or the ex-president, something like that. But, but again, look for that on YouTube because it's another fun track. So here's Pedro Morales. Se gana con sudor, se gana con puro corazón. Soldado representa tu color, revelate, demuéstrale que tú eres el campeón. Chile have a very difficult group in the World Cup. They are in with Spain, Holland and Australia. How do you think the team is going to do this year uh, over in Brazil? How will they go to Chile? I think they will do well. There is a lot of hope from the people of Chile. There is a lot of expectation for the selection because there are very good players who are passing at a great level. So I think we can classify to the other phase of the World Cup. I think uh, we'll do well. I think we'll we'll make it out. We'll make it out of the group stage. 
um, and really uh, we have a lot of good players playing at really high elite levels and uh, the people are behind us. And like looking back at the World Cups over the years, what is one of your earliest memories of watching a World Cup, either Chile or just in general? But like, if someone was to ask you what your favourite World Cup memory was, what would that be? Bueno, yo creo que me gustó mucho la que viví cuando estaba jugando Zamorano y Sala en la selección. No me acuerdo en qué en qué país fue ese mundial donde jugaron muy bien, hicieron muchos goles y después la última con Bielsa, que tuve la oportunidad de, de, de haber estado antes de, de la nómina final, haber estado dentro del grupo que podía ir al Mundial, pero lamentablemente no fui. Two, two kind of moments uh, stick out. Uh, firstly, when uh, Salas, Zamorano and Salas were playing together and also uh, the last World Cup when I was with the team with Bielsa, uh, where I was with the team leading into it and I just didn't make, uh, unfortunately, to make the last cut. And what would it mean to you to play in a World Cup at some point? Si fuera, no, la verdad que es un sueño que cada, que todo jugador podría, quiere conseguir, haber jugado una Copa Mundial, entonces, no sé si podré jugar la próxima, pero en esta, en esta, en esta Copa no, no, puedo, no, te, no tengo chance de poder ir, así que espero tener quizás más adelante una oportunidad. It's uh, obviously every player's dream. It would be amazing. Uh, maybe I still have a chance for the next one, but uh, obviously this one has uh, gone by me. But yeah. And very last thing, who who do you think will win the World Cup this year? No digas Chile. Brazil. Gracias. So Pedro Morales there, translated by John Poley. Why to keep the the spanish-speaking stuff in just so that it gave a bit of an extra flavor to it and if anyone listening to this can speak spanish you can let us know how well john did with the translation so that's all we're going to hear from the whitecaps players for this episode as i say we might have some more to come depending on whether this stuff's used on mls soccer or not so keep tuned for that Let's turn our attentions now to what some of the AFTN team think about this year's World Cup and some favourite memories for other ones. Now, for me, I worked out this is actually going to be the 10th World Cup that I remember watching. I might have watched 11. I just don't, in my memory banks, cannot really pull anything out from the 1974 World Cup. Pretty sure I watched it. I watched a lot of football at that time with my granddad. And I'm pretty sure that some of the memories I have of them are just from things I've seen in recent years. I don't really remember sitting down and, and watching any of those games as such. For me, the first World Cup that I remember, and I was talking a little bit about it earlier, was Argentina 1978. Like I said, Scotland went into that one full of hope and expectations and came home with their tails between their legs. One of the good things, of course, that came out of that from the Whitecaps' point of view is Willie Johnson's drug shame when he was found guilty of taking a banned substance and was sent home from the World Cup, kind of hounded out of Scotland as a result as well, and ended up in Vancouver playing for the Whitecaps, where he's become a legend with some legendary tales to match. So at least one good thing came out of Scotland's failure in 78. I just remember watching that game. I was on a family vacation and we had rented a house in a little beach resort called Ely in Fife. And we were there for a month and we just had a, 
an old black and white television that was in the house that we had rented. And the games were on late at night, so I had kind of slept, gone to bed about 7, 8 o'clock or something, and then we'd wake up at 10, 11 to, to watch the game. So I do remember watching a lot of the games on that small black and white TV, sitting watching it with my granddad, him getting excited, shouting at all the stuff for when Scotland were playing and, and everything like that. And that's what the World Cup does. It brings families together, it brings friends together, and it just brings you all these memories for years to come. Now, when I was growing up, my memories were of Scotland qualifying. We qualified in 74, 78, 82, 86, 90, and 98. So five in a row, six out of the seven World Cups that had taken place in, in that spell from 74 to 98, and then none since. And the one World Cup which Scotland did not go to at that time was in America in 1994. And that, by some weird quirk of fate, is the only World Cup that I've actually attended. Four of us headed over from Scotland and we, and we came over to see the World Cup in 94. Now the guy that was booking the, the trip, he was a guy that organised a lot of Scotland trips. Obviously being Scottish and a Pfeiffer, he was known for being really cheap with the money. So he tried to do it as cheap as possible, which is what he had a, a kind of history to do with, with Scotland trips in the past. So of all the places in America that he could have booked us into, he decided to take us to watch games in Detroit. Not the most wonderful town. Not only that, he actually booked us into an pretty much all-black area. And when we booked into the hotel, the people at the hotel said that they didn't even recommend that we left the hotel at night. It was that bad an area. I mean, we just stand out so much. Now, obviously, it must have been a bit of a Scottish thing because we actually shared the hotel with Alex Miller, who was the Hibs manager at the time and Scotland assistant coach. So... He must have had some kind of cheap deal there as well. So we had a, a lot of beers with him at night and chatted about a lot, lot of stuff as well. So, I mean, that was great. The games were fantastic. Uh, we got to see Switzerland, America, Romania, Colombia. We had tickets for a Brazil game as well, but unfortunately we had to leave before that took place because our, our flight didn't work out. So we had to kind of come home early for that. But we saw three games in total. It was a fantastic experience. And if anyone does get a chance to go over to a World Cup, I so recommend it. I would just love to get a chance to go to another one again. Don't really fancy Russia in 2018. Definitely don't fancy Qatar in 2022. Of course, my big hope is that Qatar is going to get that taken away from them now. And we're going to see a World Cup in Australia or America. And that's definitely one that I would want to, to go to. Another thing as well is Canada's making kind of murmurs that they'd like to kind of bed or joint bed for the World Cup in 2026. So who knows? That might be another chance for Canada to actually play at the finals. I do remember watching Canada in 86, but... Somebody who doesn't is our Canadian writer, Jay Duke. And I asked him to kind of give us some of his favourite World Cup memories. He's a little bit young to remember the Canadians in 86, but he, he shared some of his favourite moments with us. Also just looked ahead to what he's hoping for and what he's expecting to the World Cup in Brazil this year. Here's Jay Duke.
here we are, the World Cup, the one time every four years where in public you can admit that you like to watch soccer over the Canucks and not be looked at like you're a leper. So it's great times for those of us who are soccer fans. For some of us, like myself, uh, I was two years old when Canada last made the World Cup. So I'm going to be a little bit contrarian and say, well, I love watching the World Cup. It's a fantastic spectacle. World Cup, Euro, just so much entertainment, so much on the line. But when you don't have a horse in the race, it's really hard to get emotionally invested. I, I tried with, uh, I've got some German background, so I've tried kind of cheering on Germany, but that just doesn't feel right. So uh, I just watch for the fun of the whole thing and the whole spectacle, and, and it really is one. So as far as my, my personal experiences with the World Cup, uh, the the first really World Cup moment that I remember was in uh, in the U.S. in 1994, and and it was the first time I really took notice of of soccer. I, I wasn't a, a big uh, grew up in a small town where soccer wasn't really popular. It was all hockey all the time. So just the amount of crowds and and what a spectacle it was. And then uh, even when when Escobar the Colombian defender who gave up an old goal, own goal goes home and gets shot when he returns. It really started to solidify in my mind what a big deal soccer was, uh, and I started to to take notice a little bit more. Uh, not only that, just what it meant to to people around the world and and uh, how it it became a little bit more of a of a household sport in the U.S. After that, as far as my favorite World Cup memories. I, being as Canada hasn't had any since I have had consciousness, the thing that everybody loves an underdog story, and uh, what was fun for me was watching Korea in the in the 2002 World Cup, making their their surprise run to the semifinals and and beating Italy and Spain on the way. I know some controversy, but either way, it's it's always uh, good to to watch the underdog prevail. As for the uh, 2014 World Cup, everybody's picking Belgium as as their dark horse, and which makes it kind of seem a, a a little silly if they're that's not really a dark horse then anymore if everybody's picking them. So I'm going to go a little farther off the board, and I'm going to say Croatia is my dark horse pick, uh, mostly because they have a pretty a relatively easy group with other than Brazil, obviously. I think Mexico is in pretty rough shape right now, and uh, I think they could beat both Mexico and Cameroon and come out of that group. Uh, and then you never know in a one-off game, um, th- they'll go against Group B, so they're they're going to have a tough game there. But you never know what happens. It's the World Cup. They they have some good some good talent with the likes of Modric and Mandzukic, and so so they have some some top level talent, and uh, so they could do some damage in a single game. So they're my dark horse pick. To take it all, I will say Argentina. Uh, I know Brazil's. Everybody loves Brazil right now, uh, being at home. But I think the pressure will get to them. Whereas Argentina is still familiar with the with the atmosphere. They're familiar with the setting there. Um, and anytime you have so much top end talent up top with Messi and Iguain and everyone else there, um, they you they really have a, a potent team a group that they should easily get out of. So I, Argentina is my pick to go all the way and win the World Cup. So that's it from me. The one thing that we can all agree that we're hoping for at this World Cup 
is Las Vuvuzelas. Have fun, guys. Great stuff from Jay there. We hope to bring you some stuff from Aaron and Steve in some future podcasts as well. Now, some of the things that Jay said there just kind of brought back more memories for me. Some of my favourite memories that that I've had from watching the World Cup over the years. I I mentioned Cameroon winning in in 1990, Roger Mila doing his dance, all all that kind of stuff against Argentina and and the big run that they had, almost knocking England out as well. I mean, that's another great memory for me, all the horrible mishaps that's befell England over the years. Hopefully we're going to see that again this year as well and they won't even get through the group stages. Definitely have to dig out my Anyone But England t-shirt that I've had for a couple of years now. Now, the recent World Cups, they've they've not been as exciting for me. Part of that is really because Scotland haven't been in it. But also, I used to love watching the Minnows. And apart from maybe Korea-Japan in 2002, the the Minnows really haven't gone on great runs. And there's not been a lot of, of great stories to come out of it. In recent years, it's been a lot of the big teams, the big names, the big stars that that have done well in the World Cup. And I know that's what the majority of people in the world want to see. For me, I want to see minnows. So my big hope for Brazil this year is that we get some entertaining, free-flowing football. Not too many dives, not too many play-acting, some big shocks, some unexpected teams getting into the last 16 and really deep in the tournament. That's what I hope to see. Share your thoughts with us as well, either on the comment section of this article or send us some some tweets and we'd love to hear from you. Just what your favourite World Cup memories have been over the years, what you're hoping to, to see this year as well. So you can follow us on Twitter and send us all these messages at AFTNCanada. Send us an email at AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. And of course you can read all our stuff on AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. That's AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com. And although it's quiet in Whitecaps land, the Whitecaps are going to be back at training on Monday, so we'll have some stuff in that. So you'll also be able to read our Whitecaps stuff on AFTN. I'm the beat reporter for the Whitecaps on MLSsoccer.com just now, so watch out for my stuff on that. I also do some stuff for the Whitecaps for Soccerly.com, so check that out as well. And they also have a lot of really, really good World Cup coverage this year. Steve Clare, one of the editors on the site, and a few of the other guys are down in Brazil. So they're going to be bringing you some first-hand coverage as well. So that's it for this episode of There's Still Time. We've been playing some World Cup music in this podcast at the introduction and in the build-up to some of the player interviews. So I'm going to play you out with one of my favourite World Cup songs of all time. From 1982, the Scotland World Cup team, I Have a Dream. So until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the Caps. And Mon Iran and Cameroon as well. Bye everyone. Away in the distance, I can just make out this ball coming in from the left, and I'm starting to run, to run like hell, and the voice is getting louder and louder and louder, crying, hey biggie, got your stick!